0: I like the Irish aspect of it because that's what we touched on a little bit yesterday. Like I've I've yeah, yeah. got a lot of coaching, but it's pretty much all been outside of this country. Right. Okay. You, you know, and it's, uh, it's really, it's really, I think this country is a magical country. I think there's a, there's a weird extra level of suppression here because we're the best fans in the world in one sense yeah, yeah. and we're also like known as begrudging bastards. So I find it a very interesting <laughs> mix. <Yeah. right>? Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 So uh, I guess we'll jump. We'll jump in. Um, I mean, you've you've shared your story, so I'll get people if they want to hear your story. I'll, I'll get them onto your, the Anxious Lab podcast, and I'll just kind of say that I caught once I catch an Irish man doing something like this in the personal development space, like I just gravitate straight away because I believe. Right. I don't really believe. I've walked through a lot of the ego com- competition. To me, there's no competition here. It's like it's co creating co absolutely. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then the power of a dialogue between two men just kind of going into subjects because it's not about being a victim or it's not about being weak or a crybar, but it's like this stuff is very, very real for a lot of men, you know, going home and crying in the garden. I've heard clients and, and men say to me, like, it just gets too mm-hmm. much. I just couldn't get out of the car at the wheel. Yeah, so just yeah. to kind of, well, I guess, bring awareness to that conversation and, and, and it looks like deep or depth or it looks like spirituality. but unfortunately a lot of times I think it has to be a crisis or in the past it kind of ends up getting to that saturation point before we kind of go
1: yeah 100% I need to talk to somebody so yeah 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 definitely
0: yeah and that's
1: it you you, you roll there yeah no that's just going to say so that's kind of what I see with my clients and with the guys that I talk to and that it's uh, and even the research you look at and everything else I think from a societal expectation point of view from a stigma perspective all of that kind of stuff um we, we don't talk about it we don't open up we don't say what's going on we we put it down to on oh, i'm stressed i'm tired i'm I'm this I'm that you know um lads will say I'm, I'm not depressed i don't have anxiety i don't have this i don't have that okay you say you don't but you're actually describing everybody's symptom that's part of it now There could be a fear element in it where they don't want to accept the fact that actually I do have something and I need to talk to somebody about it. Um, And as you say, generally, when they decide they actually want to talk about it is when they've they've, they've hit rock bottom. It's at a point. And continue to not talk about it, that's only going to go one way. Um, So I think with a lot of lads, it, it gets to that point where it's absolute rock bottom. And then they're like, shit, right? I need to talk to somebody about this, or I need to see a counselor, I need to see a coach, or I need to do whatever, go to the doctor, anything like that. But it's only at a point where it's at that critical state, you know? Um, And I think what we need to do, and quite rightly what you said, for me, it's the same thing. I kind of gravitate towards people that are doing you know, whether it's coaching, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's whatever, having those open dialogues, changing that narrative around men's mental health because we we need to make it more socially acceptable for lads to start talking a hell of a lot earlier than, than when when they are at the moment.
0: Yeah, and I I can totally relate with not knowing how much stress I was under because it becomes so normal to be kind of yeah. getting that star bar and extra coffee on the way home just to have a bit of energy with the kids when you get in. It's just like we get, we get into this kind of... I'll say rut now, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize it to be a rut. There were so many periods in my life where I'd be on the way home work and I'd be doing a nickstring, ring and, I'd, you know, it comes part and parcel of getting a, a Burger King yeah. or a KFC or a takeaway and it's all kind yeah, yeah. just, that saturation point happens again there where all that work ends up cancelling itself out because for me I'd end up blowing a knee out or I'd end up being out for a week. So all those 12, 14-hour days would eventually end up leveling out over the course yeah. of a year, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, like, the, you know, to some of the lads that I speak to, clients that I have, um, like I said, they they, they they all, they get to a point, right, where relationships are starting to break down communication with their boyfriends, their husbands, their wives, their partners, their kids, all of that is starting to get on top of them now, you know, um, they're starting to feel more agitated, they're, they're, tired a lot more um and, and that can be like being tired that can be a culmination of a couple of things it may be that they're not sleeping properly they're sleeping too much they're not sleeping well they have broken sleep during the night um and yet you say to them mate you know, there's a lot of stress going on there i oh, know it's not stress it's just work it's stress mate <laughs> <laughs> and what you're describing here the physical symptoms of it um or it might be anxiety and and again you're describing the physical symptoms of it and what I think, well, what's, what was really interesting over the podcast that I did, right, um, and all the conversations I have and all the guys that I talk to from a client perspective even as well, um, and the guys that I coach, is that our journeys to get to a certain point are all completely different, right? Um, like my journey and how I, I got to a point where I was very close to ending my life, um, I had it planned, I had it tapped out. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew exactly where it was going to be. Um we we all have a different journey getting to that point, right? Um but from a from a coping perspective and how we try to deal with ourselves, we all do the same thing. Right. We we isolate, we go into ourselves, we we don't talk. That's the, the biggest one obviously. Um, but then we start using alcohol, drugs anything to sort of take the pressure away and almost start self-medicating to try and get us through it so you might find yourself you know over a Friday night you might have a glass or two of wine sitting down watching the telly with the partner or whatever um and all of a sudden you find yourself the the the, the bottle of wine has gone quicker you know you're, you're drinking a lot more you're drinking a lot quicker and it's a slippery slope right the way down um and and that's one thing I found really interesting was that common ground between all of us. You know, I used to think it was just that well, men don't talk, and that's true, Um, but it's actually we we suffer the same. Do you know what I mean? Um, And it, it's like I don't know whether that's a learned behaviour or it's, that's just this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to sit in silence. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to do that. So I'm just going to drink. I'm going to smoke. I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to go grow- and mash off my head on coke or, or whatever drug you want at the weekend. Um, anything to separate the fact that we actually need to start talking about what's going on, and that's the vicious cycle, yeah, isn't it?
0: Because yeah. whether it's overindulging on the weekend on pizza, movies, staying up late, porn, women, drugs, it doesn't matter what it actually is. It's the overindulging on the weekend, yeah. That for me really started to take its toll because then we, the weekend started to go faster. They turned into one long Friday night. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and and and, and this yeah, is it. Like, absolutely no, and it's it's true, right? And it, yeah. and one of the one of the big things as well is that, as you said, I fish the cycle, right? So you hit the end of the week, you get to Thursday, Friday, you're exhausted, right? You're exhausted because you're you're constantly overthinking, your brain is stressed out, and it could be stress at work, right? It could be finances, it could be the relationship isn't working well. It could be a plethora of different reasons, right? Um, But you get to the weekend, you're like, oh, Grant, bit of breathing space. It's the weekend. I can let my hair down. I can have a few beers. I can have a few drinks. As you say, then it turns into one long session over the weekend. As you get older, and I, <laughs> I don't want to sound like an hour, I'm 40 now, right? I know that hangover takes a long time to recover from now yeah. than what it did when I was 20. So then I'm gone into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, still feeling the effects of all the, the alcohol I had at the weekend. And I only start to really, I guess, for lack of a better expression, wake up of a Wednesday afternoon where you're finally thinking clear. And then, boom, the stress, the anxiety, everything kicks in again. And you're just in that loop then for a few months. Um, and the best way out of it is just have a conversation with someone. That's mm-hmm. it. It's It's that the is. easiest way to get out of it. You know what I mean? I know it sounds stupid and cliche and all of that kind of stuff but like the 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 tagline on my podcast is start talking stay strong um and the reason i use that specifically is as men again we have this these these you know preconceived notions and misconceptions that if we talk if we open up if we have that conversation that's going to see us then as being weak Right, and I'm I'm not a strong man. I'm not an alpha male. If I'm talking about my feelings, or if I'm doing this, or I'm doing that, actually, you're you're probably stronger because what you're doing is you're 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 taking a look inside yourself, and you're realizing that something's not working right, and you're going against the grain to talk about it, to figure out what the problem is, and to try and fix it. And in actual fact, you're probably stronger than somebody who isn't talking because somebody who isn't talking is just hiding away from it and shying away from it and doesn't have or doesn't want to show the strength and courage to get out of that situation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So start talking, say strong is, you, you, you're you still going to be a strong man. You're going to be stronger for it. You're going to come out of it mentally healthier, mentally stronger, more aware of everybody around you. Um, i and more consciously aware of the relationships and, and stuff that's gone on in your life. But what's the alternative,
0: right? So that, that, that's when I'm when I'm hearing you speak. There, first of all, I feel how close to your heart this is, because I can I can I can feel the emotion in 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 these words, and I trust that they're going to land on the right ears. Because it's just like we've had experience with it now. So you yeah. yourself. I'm listening to you now, going. But what's the alternative? Because that rough that cycle that seems normal to be coming mm-hmm. back around on a Wednesday or Thursday, especially when you yeah. in- introduce something like cocaine. Yeah. Our substances that the completely deplete, deplete all the all the all the good, feel good chemicals in your brain. Yeah. It's really tough and I've been there and it was Thursday and I've I've often said this story, it's been Friday afternoon, or up until Friday afternoon, like not drinking this weekend, and I was mm-hmm. one I was one good song on the radio away from that whole plan change yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like what's the alternative? Um and i love what you're saying like speak up and stay strong because it absolutely is strong and i think most men know that now i think like you're seeing reggae pop up all over the place reggae mm-hmm. masters men and women you're seeing yoga on the beach you're seeing spirituality becoming a little bit more i'd even say a lot more mainstream uh, specifically in Dublin and the north side, like the, the Port Marnock and then the other side, Kilini, there's lots of people sea swimming, there's lots of people. Yeah, yeah. So the conversation has begun, I think, and it's like then you're like, you don't really, you don't know what you don't know. So if that's your life and then you hear two lads talking about it say, well, all you got to do is talk about it, well, probably, yes. But that's the, and the, other, the other aspect is a lot of people say, just talk to me, just reach out, just let me know what you're going through. And then the the, the other side that I see to that is, you. You know, not a lot of people know how to hold space for you. Not a lot of people know how to actually be a sounding board and just listen. Yeah, as yeah. men we're yeah. guilty as well. I can say, yeah, we yeah, just, yeah, we just want to fix everything. Yeah, instead yeah. of listening, instead of like hearing someone pour the heart out. So it's a difficult number one to start talking, and then it's probably mm-hmm. you probably want to be a little bit selective about who you who you talk to, like find someone yes. that's a safe, a safe yeah. space to actually hear you. Yeah, and just let you vent because sometimes that's all you really need to do. You know, yeah. if someone starts trying to fix you, it's going kind to of put you back in. It's like, oh, fuck off! We'll deal
1: with well, it. Well, okay, so, so that's that's a perfect point, right? And I'm delighted you said that, right? So I did a video on this a while ago, and it's something I put up on on my Facebook, um, as part of the anxious lad and on my own profile then as well. So there's a couple of things you touched on there, right? So a talking perspective, right? First, we need to learn how to talk. We need to learn that it's okay to to open up and to have that conversation, right? who we, who we start that conversation with can. Be a great or you know, it can be a great thing or it can be a bad thing because it depends on how that person reacts, right? Um, so in a positive way, they can sit and listen and they can give you some advice, they can be that bored just to bounce off. Um, and that's amazing. Start a conversation with somebody who doesn't know how to have that conversation, then they could end up proving the point that men shouldn't talk. Do you know what I mean? Because they can come across then as not caring, didn't know what to say. shut up will you let's enjoy the point and watch the football do do you know what I mean and you could end up sending that person back into the spiral that they're trying to get out of right Um, what I was I I actually I did an episode with a psychologist in New York it's dropping over the next couple of days Um, and as I'm talking to him a little light bulb went off in my head right so let's let's take women for example right your your ma your sister girlfriends Whoever, all the women in their lives, they know how to have these conversations because they've been doing it all their lives, right? Um and I say it all the time. My wife says it to me, the best counseling session she's ever had is a glass of wine and a couple of her friends, right? But women listen to each other, right? And they'll vent and they'll talk and they'll say what they need to say. Um and then they'll go, Okay, let's unpack that now. Let's look at this, blah 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 And they'll have that conversation and it's a good, open, honest, proper conversation about shit that's going on in their lives. We've never been able to do that right we've never been given that space to open up right think of it go back to when you're you're when you're a young lad right you're upset over something and then you're our lad or one of the latter a coach or a teacher or something you want to cry i'll give you something to cry about do you know what i mean it's all those little drip feeding of information that's been coming through for years that now when it gets to wanting to talk about something um you've almost been conditioned to not do it so when someone says what's wrong nothing i'm fine and we always say this, right? If if again, the women in your life, if you ask a woman in your life what's wrong, and they go, nothing, I'm fine. We go, shit, something's <laughs> up. Do, do you know what I mean? But but yeah. we don't we don't flip that back around onto us, right? And nine times out of ten, we're not fine. And if they're asking you that question, it's because they can see something in your behavior that's different. They can see that you're stressed, you're wound up, you're annoyed, you're agitated, you're probably acting a little bit more aggressive lately. So if they say to you, what's wrong? And you say, I'm fine, flip it around. And if you asked a woman in your life and she said she's fine, you'd know something was wrong. And that's, I think we need to get to that point because we are kind of similar in, in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, but also, um, if we've never had the space to talk, how are we able to listen? And I think that's a big one then as well. So, if we're not used to having those deep conversations, if we're not used to having those those talks with our friends, with our mates, it's going bad, blah blah blah. And somebody says, "Listen, mate, I I really need to talk to you. Right? It's things aren't going well. I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling like that. If you've not been around those conversations, if you've never been used to it, you're going to be like, shit. I don't know what to say here. I don't. I don't know what to do. And and then." Your your body language or facial expressions could signal to the other fella, shut up, stop talking, because he doesn't know what to do. And again, he goes into that thing, right? Um, or it could be that you're trying to, you know, you're trying to be the listener, you end up could saying the wrong thing. Um, or whatever. So I think you know, it's not just a case of like as I said, look, this the tagline is start talking, stay strong for sure. That's my motto, it's what I go by. Um, but I think we also need to become better at actually actively listening to the people around us as well, and trying to understand where they're coming from.
0: Yeah, and get to a men's group because I, I think the first time i experience space holding when it's just like when when you're in that circle environment, whether it's on or offline, and someone sh- shares something vulnerable, it almost drops everybody into a different space. You know, kind of yeah. if, some, if someone shares a hard story or a story where they've been through overcoming addiction or been abused in some form or some form of trauma i've just found that not a lot of before i ever experienced that i never knew it existed Mm -hmm. so just by being in that room i was able to go wow and then you kind of don't feel so alone you feel it it almost takes you out of your head and into your heart space if that makes sense yeah yeah that's the way i describe it and then that that's what i look at as kind of space holding or being that healthy sounding board and i love what you Mm -hmm. said about being overly aggressive because for me it was anger yeah because i think we protect our vulnerabilities or, or perceived insecurities with anger, because it's easier to just kind of fly off the handle, go slam a door, smash your phone, and kind of get everybody to back off. Mm, yep. You know, yep. I mean, yep. that was kind of the way it started out for me. And then, like you said, we are the same. Like some, I even heard someone say before, like, men have bigger hearts physically. You know, yep. like, we, everything else is bigger. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, actually, yeah, we yeah, actually yeah. have bigger yeah, hearts. Yeah. So it's a, it's it's like I kind of map that across. If we can't, if we don't have safe spaces to talk, mm-hmm. then we're probably not being our authentic self. No. in the environments that we've been in because we're kind of doing that whole uh, people pleasing thing or yeah. they won't get, get me or I'll just, you know, I think on some level we all learn this in school like to, learn, to fit into our categories.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: Artists, stoners, rockers, at sports, sports, I think gonna kind of start in the school and then it's kind of like, for me anyway, we gonna kind of learn how to have that safe level of band to kind of walk the, thing, walk the same, talk yeah. the same, dress yeah, yeah, the yeah, same. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I love the I I found that for me it was finding the purpose. That's what gave me confidence. Mm-hmm. Like okay, I'm I'm naturally good at talking. There's lots of stuff here that I'm really interested and in, curious about when it comes to this mindset stuff. So kind of curiosity got me out of you know quote unquote depression yeah. because I started to find purpose and meaning, and I was enthusiastic about learning something new. So what what did you find yourself? Number one was the root and or. Uh, in hindsight, what you were trying to say to yourself? Like, oh, does that does purpose resonate with you? Like having a reason, like your podcast, because I know you said you, you really love and that's been your, your baby at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you find that purpose is a big part of pushing you forward? Abs-
1: yeah, absolutely. I think for me, right, with, you know, with the over the last few years anyway, so um so anyone that doesn't know or hasn't listened to the podcast, so I had to go back a bit. So I did a... a, a Full on breakdown, mental breakdown during COVID, right? As everyone knows, listening to we had some pretty severe lockdown measures and stuff, and you know, um, I was working at the time um, from home in the in the 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 previous job that I had, and my wife was working from home. The kids were there; they were doing their school at home and everything else. and you're on top of each other. Everyone, And I, I'm sure everyone. I'm, I, I'd say the anxiety and the stress levels during COVID just went through the bloody roof for everybody. Do you know what I mean? Because it was a really weird time <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, but I guess I've always been anxious and I've always had depressive episodes and stuff. Um, so at a full-on mental breakdown, I was put on on medication by the doctor that just didn't agree with me at all. Um, I was put on a small dosage at the beginning, and then within six months, um. it had had doubled each time for about six months um so it got to the august time and i think i was like a zombie is the only way i can describe it couldn't feel happy couldn't feel sad Um, there was suicidal thoughts in there there was plans of suicide in there um and then i kind of broke down a little bit again Spoke to my wife about it, and and during all of that time, like as you said, it was the aggression element of it, right? Not from a physical aggression element, but screaming, shouting, slamming doors. I can't tell you how many fucking phones I've broken over the last couple of years, right? um But all of that was in there, and it's all like, it was a fear factor. I didn't want to actually. I I thought to a certain degree the tablets are going to make me better, but they actually made me worse, right? um I got into counselling. I did about six months, six eight months of of really in depth psychotherapy with an amazing counselor uh in bray where i'm from um came out the back of it came off the meds the whole lot had a couple of months of just trying to figure out right what's going on what's happening what am i doing trying to get my head clear coming off the tablets was absolutely horrible like the withdrawals from them was just disgusting it was rotten and then for me it was like right i'm a husband i'm a man in his late 30s nearly 40 I'm more likely to die by suicide now than anything else at the age that I'm at. Um, I'm a bigger risk of suicide. It's the number one killer of men between twenty-eight and thirty-eight or forty. Um so I, clearly I'm not the only one. So I can't have gone through all of that experience and not do something with it. So that's where the Anxious Lad podcast came from. That's where it all started basically was was with that. And and the reason for it is like I again like going through that growth. So I'm looking at wellness, I'm looking at CBT, NLP, I'm doing cold water therapy, I'm swimming in Bray Beach as much as I can, you know, I'm taking cold showers at the end of it, I'm doing Qigong and breathing exercises, and I literally threw myself into everything that I could possibly think of that might help my mental state, and you take bits and pieces of all of it and you find what works for you, right, the whole horses for courses scenario. Um. Listening to podcasts, listening about anxiety. So, for me, I found that the doctor actually originally thought I had depression going through the counts, and I suffer with severe anxiety uh, and GAD, generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and the anxiety was getting so bad at certain points that I was having depressive episodes. So, for me, it was like listening to podcasts, this, that, and the other. And a lot of the podcasts I listened to would be one person just talking, telling you about this. This is what you should do. This is that, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, no we need to flip that something needs there has to be a bigger conversation about men and mental health so the first two episodes of my podcast is me about 20 minutes long telling my story and my views on medication or therapy and then it's just an interview process then with a load of different lads after that because the only way i can get lads to start talking is if i can get guys onto the show to start talking you know, um, and the more lads I get to talk about mental health, I'm hoping the more lads will start talking about mental health. That's the whole point of it, you know. And every story is different, every story has a a different spin on it, experiences, whether it was drugs, whether it was abuse, whether it was, you know, um, and they'll all hit different people at different points. So yeah, for me the podcast was was the big thing in my growth and coming out as well, um, because it gave me that platform, I guess, to um do something a little bit different with regards to men's mental health
0: and an awareness that like this zombie feeling that you described is like this is not the way i think we all have that deep down knowing that this is not the way but for me i had the trust and you probably were the same with doctors at the time like that the dr in front of the name kind of when, when my younger self when i had a lot more respect then i thought i don't respect them that's the wrong word but i had a lot more trust in the authority then
1: yeah than i yeah. do
0: now based off of what I learned about what serotonin is and how we produce it and what cold water therapy does and yeah, yeah. All these other things like tapping, which which my younger self you're probably the same, you say, look at
1: these lunatics. What what you know what are they doing? Tapping yeah, yeah, or yeah, you yeah. know. And that's the thing, it's like I said, look, it's it's horses for courses, isn't it? There's yeah. loads of it, right? So I've gone through and I've done uh, I'm a certified life and relationship coach now, it's what my job is to help lads. Um I've done CBT. Training and NLP training and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and you hit different, as you say, the, the tapping things or so different pressure points you tap, at. and it's just to get the focus away from what's going on in your head. You know, there's the the five, four, three, two, one method. You look for five things, hear four things, smell three things, take you know, all of that kind of stuff, just to bring you back to earth almost and and get you out of that anxious state that you're in. Um, for me, the the breathing exercises. So there's, there's a guest on the show. He's one of the first interviews I do, um, Justin, and he's a kung fu practitioner, martial arts teacher, qigong, all that kind of stuff. So he got me into the the, the breathing exercises of qigong and your energy and your chi and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and for me, it was like, and I I did it with my therapist, but it was months later when I get off the tablets and my head was cleared, I could really look into it. So people with anxiety will have very shallow breathing, right? So my breaths. Generally, only kind of go to me chest. I don't usually take that that big breath in and out, right? um And that was the big one for me. It was learning how to how to breathe. And when I'm challenged, or when you know, if my one of me kids or the wife or somebody says something to me, "Are, are you okay?" You you tend to kind of go, and you you, you real quick shallow breath happens, and then you might just snap with your fear. You go into it. So. By being self-aware about that and by when times are getting stressful, when times are getting, when you're getting really anxious enough, by just stopping and just taking a big breath kind of in and out, it just slows it down and brings everything back to place. The cold water therapy, you know, dropping the heart rate, catching your breath, makes you catch your breath. It drops the heart rate down. You know, the benefits are there. Uh, So, yeah, there's loads of different things you can do. But I think what we have to do initially is start having that open and honest conversation at the beginning all the other stuff will work to a degree um and as i said like i went through loads of different variations of therapy and counseling and all that kind of shit uh and they all worked for me but the biggest one is the talking just yeah. to have a conversation with somebody yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. um you can you can do all the cold swimming you want right you can go down to you know the beach in malahide or kalini or bray or wherever you want to go right uh, you can get into the cold water. That's fine, and that'll make you feel better for a little bit. You can have all the cold showers you want. You can do all the breathing exercises you want. But if you don't physically sit and talk it out with somebody, it's still going to be there. You need and to we, have a and reward and reward
0: yeah. the brain. like like what you said that I had to learn how to breathe again. So what that yeah. means is like I've, on somewhere along the line I've forgotten how to breathe deeply.
1: Yeah. You now because yeah.
0: as kids you you watch a baby go when you watch a baby the belly always rises. Yeah. You know, like they have a straight posture. So over time, we, we, we almost forget how to do what's natural to us. So I love that, yeah. just, just to point that out, because we almost we get into these patterns, whether it's breath or whether it's drinking or seven day cycles, You get into these patterns. And I agree mm-hmm. with you on the sea swimming. It's a great tool. But unless you have the self awareness to look at your beliefs, your conditions that has you to this point of view, and like yeah. the mix of NLP, yeah. you know, or, or whatever works for you, and to just find that little, there's always that little whisper. You know, that's what I hope we can get from this conversation is people can follow the little whisper before it gets to a saturation point that doesn't need to happen. I think that's where where we're at now in in Ireland specifically.
1: Yeah, because and I think and and from from an NLP perspective, right? You look at the social conditioning and classical conditioning element, right? So, so there's there's three ways that we learn growing up as kids, right? Uh, And one of them is through kind of association, right? In classical conditioning, so. If at a, as, as a young child, you bang your hand, you bang your finger, you do whatever, right? And you start crying and the men or women in your life will say to you, stop, don't, don't, don't cry. Boys, don't cry. Hide, hide your tears. Or you're feeling upset and you want to talk about it. It's like, and again, you're, you're upset. I'll give you something to be upset about. And it's those jokingly kind of terms that are used, right? Over years, every time you felt that way, somebody has told you not to do it, right? So... When you become an adult and the pressures of life, mortgage, finances, jobs, careers, marriage, kids, whatever, that is going to get on top of everyone. And you're an idiot if you believe it won't. Right? Mm. Everyone's going to have a trigger point at some point in their lives. Something's going to get you. Mm. And every time then you get challenged on it, like I said, women are amazing at talking. Right? And they don't understand why men won't open up and talk. We won't open up and talk because every time we've tried to for the last 20 odd years, somebody has told us not to. So that's a trigger then, or can be a trigger for a lot of people. So you come home, and again, I've I've done loads of posts and videos on this as well. You come home from it, the office from work from wherever you, you do. You've had a shitty day. The last couple of days you've been on edge. You've been a bit of you know agitated. You're not aggressive almost, but you're in a bad mood. The easiest way of putting it. And somebody says, you, what's wrong?" I'm fine. No, seriously, what's wrong with you? I can tell. Nothing. I'm fine. And and in the back of your mind, someone saying, don't talk, don't do it, don't do it. Because that programming that's been happening for the last 20 odd years has been telling you not to do it, you know. Um, and I think this is where we need to get to at a point now is that it's OK. Like it it is actually OK to talk. You shouldn't have been stopped from talking. You shouldn't have been stopped from expressing your feelings when you were a kid and when you were growing up that then should have been there. And it was an old different, like it was a different society. It was a different way, different generation of, of teaching and of growing up and stuff. Um, and I think we are getting better. You touched on it earlier on and so, you know, you know, we are, we are getting better. And I think we're raising more awareness around the swimming, the yoga, the mindfulness, all of that kind of stuff, right? There's a bigger open conversation happening about that. Um, but I think from the initial lads having that conversation with each other, that talking within your mates, within your friend circle, that kind of stuff. We're we're a bit away from, from that, I think, still. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. If you have a mind
0: going to a lot of these things, the kind of the, the general not all the time, but most of the time if you see a lad there's like God the missus drag me down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay if you want to do yoga, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to do a thing. No, but that's it. And um I I think the actual single one conscious belly breath is severely overlooked that's that's mm-hmm. been my good that's been my thing that i've anchored over the last few years is just to constantly be with that mm-hmm. you know i just be constantly kind of in tune with what the duck is doing under the water you know what i mean the nervous system is a paddling like crazy mm-hmm. so long as i keep that breath relatively under control i'm way less susceptible to reacting to anybody or anything you know so mm-hmm. that's like I've used instead of getting stressed out in a queue I use the breathe instead of getting stressed out in traffic I enjoy commuting and listening to something consciously so I just try to bring awareness back to the moment all the time yeah. which is yeah. which is confronting you know if you've been living in the attic if you've been living in your mind for 20 years or, or more then it's confronting to start to see some of your beliefs and some of the things because there's there's a lot of responsibility then required for, for actions that you've taken or
1: yeah patterns that you're in or addictions that you have or whatever Absolutely so yeah and and that's it like again it's it there is there, there there's a fear element to all of this um because you you do have to start looking at your own behaviors your pattern behaviors of what you've how you've been acting over the years things you've said how you react in certain situations and and i think it's difficult for all of us to admit that we've been wrong or we've behaved wrongly or we've done it we always think in the heat of the moment that we're right do you know what i mean um, and it's it's difficult to say, no, sorry, I, I was wrong about that. I I apologize. And I guess for me, even as well, like over over the last while, like i will still have a Barney with my wife or with my kids or whatever. But I think what happens now when I'm a lot more aware of why I snapped that time, do you know what I mean? Um, it's given me a lot more of a, 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 an awareness about my behaviors. And so actually, shit, no, sorry. No, you're right. Do you know what? I said I'd do that because of A, B, and C and actually I didn't because of D E and F. So I need to work on that and I need to look at that. And you do become a lot more self-aware, but that line of communication has to be open with people. Like you have to talk it out because you're not going to do it inside your own head. It's it's not possible. It's it's not gonna happen, right? You you need somebody to talk to. You just need to say it out loud. Do you know what I mean? Even if the person on the other end of the phone or the, or whoever isn't actually listening or or giving you a voice back or anything like that, but they're listening to you, by you saying it out loud gets you thinking and gets actually yeah shit that's what I was doing. No, I, I I need to flip that. I need to change that or whatever. So for me, look, there's loads of things out there that are that are amazing in terms of 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 mental health. Um, there's things that will help you to breathe into cold water therapy. Tapping all of that kind of stuff is is brilliant. Um, find one that works for you. The one thing that works for everybody, as far as I'm concerned, is is an open dialogue and conversation. Yeah, the
0: courage to speak, and then the yeah, the desire to keep the communication clear. Like you said, like if we can all be open here, and we can all kind of understand both sides of the coin, then we can keep the communication clear, and then the stuff yeah, resent- yeah. Res- resentment building up stops, or prevents the outbursts in the future. So
1: yeah and it's interesting like you know you said earlier on right about you know men fixing it and wanting to fix it and all that kind of stuff and we and we do we do that right we always try to fix things um and it took me a while to learn it um if again i use this analogy on the on on one of my podcasts with my wife so she'd come in and try to talk to me and tell me about her day or whatever um i'd go into fix it mode do you know what you need to do you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this and you need to do that and she's like shut up i don't want you to just shut up and listen to me i don't want you to fix it like i don't know i'm not trying to fix it but i'm just and you go into you're just trying to tell me what to do basically right Mm -hmm. and we do that as men um but we don't do it with ourselves we don't take our own advice do you know what i mean um And we just try to be that little island on our own and no, it's fine. I can do it. I can sort it. I can fix it myself. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You're going to break at some point. lads. the mind and the body can only take so much until it snaps. And it may be that you start drinking a lot more. It may be that you find you're addicted to other things or whatever the case is. Right. You're you're, it's going to start to go downhill at some point. And then generally, as we said earlier you're not going to really take stock of it until it hits absolute rock bottom. And that's generally when men start to turn around. And in some cases it's gone too far beyond at that point. And they've gone into the suicide element of it. And for me, that's the big one. I, for the podcasts, the coaching, the stuff that I put on Facebook and everything for me, it's to bring that suicide number down because the the, the statistics are just horrible at the moment. You know, I mean, even look at Ireland around, um, 75% of global suicides are men and there's a correlation there we are five times less likely to talk about mental health but we're three times more likely to die by suicide women is the complete opposite um they're more likely to talk they're less likely to die by suicide doesn't take a genius to figure out what's going on that yeah
0: yeah and i i've got to the point where it come from a perspective of prevention is the best cure do you know, and, yeah, and i, and I moved away from kind of the phrase, not moved away from the phrase mental health, but it's like the word God. It can have so many different connotations to it. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mental and emotional fitness. If we can just focus on flexing the mind muscle by having a difficult conversation, by overcoming a fear, and kind of getting that inner work uh, a priority now, no matter mm-hmm. where you are in life, no matter what you're doing, whether it's career, relationships, parenting, it's going to enhance your life. Yeah. So so MEF over meds is what I'm is what I'm usually saying, like mental
1: and emotional fitness as opposed to end up needing the medicine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the medicine thing for me is a big one. It's a bit of a bone of contention for me, right? Like I I'm not totally against it. Um I have an issue with how readily available it is and how easy and quickly it is to to get them, right? Yeah. Like um, and again, I think it's the second episode. I talk about this, one, where let's take the analogy of a sports person, right? Or you you play sports. I played hurling for years when I was when I was growing up. Um, I don't anymore. I get tired running in the bath these days. <laughs> um, but well, let's say you're on the you're on the pitch, right? Whether it's the guard pitch, the football pitch, whatever, right? You you get a bad tackle, you get knocked down. you get an injury, you get a tackle, you hit the deck. Um, you get taken off right so your hamstring is pulled your muscles are done in whatever the case is right first protocol of call is you probably go to the doctor and you'll say right look i can give you some painkillers but that's pretty much it right there isn't a hell of a lot the doctor can do in that scenario what he needs so what you need to do is go and see a physio right because you're going to learn exercises you need to you need to train the muscle back in you need to do this you need to do that blah that'll take takes some time um but the painkillers will help in the initial uh in the first instance right so you go to the physio and you probably do seven or eight ten sessions with them to get you back up and and run and even then you're only doing a little bit of it most of it you have to go off and do it yourself so i apply the same analogy to mental health and to talking to people so you can go to the doctor right and he can say yeah you're anxious you're depressed you've this you've that blah blah blah, blah. here's a one drug suits all ssri selective serotonin the uptake inhibitors they can have a good impact or a bad impact, and there's studies to show both sides of that coin, right? Realistically, what you need to do is go to a counsellor because it, it's in here, it's in your head. The learned behaviours, the stresses, the anxiety, all of that kind of stuff is, it's part of you. And to a certain degree, the tablets may help. I know lads who are on antidepressants and are on SSRIs who have said, I wouldn't be the person I am now without them. And that's fair enough. But again, it is a horses for courses scenario. They don't work for everybody. And I'm an example of them not working for me. Um but well, I've talked to guys on the podcast who have been on them for a couple of years and they don't plan to stay on them, but they know that for now they they need them, right? So think of think of the the counselor, the coach, whatever it is, as your physio. They're there to get into, into your head and to understand why it is you're behaving in, in the way you're behaving, why it is you're, you're feeling the way that you're feeling. And then, and then let's look at that. Let's unpack it. Let's break it down. Let's understand why, you know, you, you feel aggressive all the time or anxious all the time or depressed all the time. Let's, let's look at all of that and let's try and fix it. You know, the doctor's only going to do so much. And it's almost like a triage scenario. You go to the doctor, you tell him what the crack is. He's got maybe 10 or 15 minutes with you. um he's not going to be able to break down 30 years of learned behavior in 15 minutes. Right. But there are drugs out there and there are medications out there that can help. So that's what he's going to do. And a good doctor will say, look, take these, we'll see how you get on, but I want you to arrange a conversation with a counselor or a therapist or whatever, you know? Um, and that's kind of the way I, I looked at it, you know, look, the the doctor, the doctor tried to help me with medication, It didn't work. It made me worse, and the only way they can—it's trial and error. So it's like, yeah, look, there's a a a dosage. Let me know how you feel in a month. A month later, I was like, I don't feel any different. Okay, well, let's increase it. Let's increase it. Let's increase. And that happened over six months. And by the time it for me, by the time I got to August, I was just a shell of myself, absolute zombified. Um, and it was the talking that helped me. So look, the tablets are there. I'm not against medication. Um, for me, I believe. If you're in that situation where you think you should be going to talk to someone, you think you know it's easier to go to the doctor because we want this quick fix. We're in a society now where it's it's almost instant gratification that we want. Um, everything is quicker, everything is faster. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, by going to the doctor, a lot of people will say as a quick fix, not so much. Uh, and this kind of thing. The, the the stresses the anxieties the as you say the mental fitness that kind of stuff it's not a quick fix it's not something that can be cured with a tablet overnight it's just it's not and i think we need to recognize that and we need to set those expectations for any of the lads listening if there is something you're going through if you're feeling stress anxiety depression anything like that it's going to take a little bit of time but you need to be patient with it and you need to go through the motions and go through the conversations with people
0: yeah, because it, it I love what you're saying there, and I'm still kind of smiling when I think of you saying, Yeah, I get tired running the bat, <laughs> but it's it's it's, it's the band aid, right? That's that's kind of where I got myself, yeah. too. Because, like, I didn't get anything, I kept telling myself that these are eventually going to kick in. So, you're lacking, yeah. ser- you're lacking serotonin, son. Here's a drug with a barcode that he took out of his drawer with a laugh because he was obviously on a commission when he gets every single month, mm-hmm. which nothing against him. I paid him a lot of money. And they they are definitely, they do have a place. And it was just a yeah. case of like three or four months in, I'm like, these aren't working. These aren't, like I yeah. still feel exactly the same. But what I was pissed off about was, I was never told that serotonin was produced in your gut. And then if you look after your gut, and you've kind of got another brain in there that the science says. So what I was pissed off about was the whole the whole picture wasn't being looked at. And even though I was talking a little bit to him, it was more psycho- yeah. Psycho- yeah. psychoanalysis. And like you said, too readily available and too quick to just say,
1: here you go. Yeah. Yeah. And they say it, yeah. But they say that though, right, isn't it? Like that whole and there was a study done on and and don't quote me on this, Google it, have a look at it for yourselves. I'm not sure if it was if it was King's in London or UL. You know, it was it was one of the one of the big unis in London anyway. I did a study on this for or over a couple of years and it was, you know, same people with depression, people with anxiety and this, that and the other, that it was a a um a chemical imbalance in the brain, and that's why you were being prescribed. It's not. It's not. They've proven it, they've gone back to it, and they said oh, that's all bullshit. The antidepressants and the stuff will work, right? Because it does kick in and stuff, but it's not that there's something physically wrong with you either. Do you know what I mean? Um, do the research and I'll have a look at it for yourselves. There was a big study done on it over over years. Um and that it's got nothing to do with a, a chemical imbalance or a lack of something in you. Um it's got to do with more deep rooted issues basically in, in your own head. Um and, and that's why I say you need to take time to talk through that process and, and get it done properly because for a lot of lads it ends up going to the worst possible way. You know, look you look at self harm, it could be alcohol, drugs, addictions it could be physical self-harm cutting yourself whatever and then the most serious one then obviously is suicide ideation um and and we need to get to a point where that's not happening basically yeah
0: yeah and i I could trace a lot of that back to like when i got the word clinically depressed when i got that phrase should i say clinically depressed from this guy Mm -hmm. i ended up in a bookshop that christmas buying a, a book for my girlfriend and I was brought to a book called Mindful Way to Depression. And when I read that book, I just got more pissed off. I got more angry at why I wasn't learning that stuff in school. Yeah. Like, you know, I was saying, okay, look, maybe in my later years I'd enjoy Hamlet and different philosophical stuff like that. But as a kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. I but as a kid I didn't. And um yeah, yeah. So the placebo effect, the power of our mind, emotional resilience, that was all I was like oh just good. that's where my passion came from right so even in amongst yeah. all the anger like a funny story is I remember being there was a body scan meditation attached to the back of that book and I remember being 70 minutes into the 20 minute meditation and someone walked into the room and I snapped <laughs> I nearly finished I was nearly finished meditating fuck's sake <laughs> But then I see the tread. Okay, we didn't teach that in school. Then I have to be mindful now with the anger towards the school or the system or the government because it's easy to say, you're fuckers, you're training us to be slaves, and you can go down that rabbit hole and you can be pointing and blaming. But when we take the responsibility and bring it home, we can't get that quick fix of the band aid. That's when we have to kind of say, okay, well, this takes a lot of thinking to actually change my thinking. It takes a lot of awareness Mm -hmm. to get the keg, to get those cogs slowing down from that direction and get them moving in a different direction or like slowing that train Mm -hmm. down. Because we're on momentum, right? We're on momentum. Whatever we've been doing for years now, whatever roots or patterns we've got ourselves into, it's 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 automatic, like driving a car. Yeah. yeah. Nice. We've only connected yesterday, so just for the audience, we've only connected yesterday, so I'm going to dig more into your work. But I've seen you with a guitar and I've seen the musician and the creative aspects of you mm-hmm. just in some of your pictures and stuff like that. So I'll be curious, like, how did school and your creative endeavors go together? Like, How were you in school and was the creativity nurtured in you, specifically as a man? It's it can be weird for that right brain. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't yeah. really get doesn't really get much flexing in school. In my opinion, it's all left brain analytical maths, yeah. science, biology, history, memory, 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 memory. Whereas the right brain, specifically as a man, because the women are naturally more right brain oriented with the feelings, mm-hmm. emotions and and, and intuition. I'd be curious to see, would you track some of that back to like if you are nurtured a little bit differently in school, would your life be very different as an adult, do you think?
1: I, I, to a certain degree, yeah. I mean, I was never really academic in school, you know. Um, Certainly, I was curious, for sure, if I was interested. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Would um, you be more creative?
0: Would you call yourself more creative? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, for me, like, I, I, I loved history. I, I, I've always been a bit of a history buff. Um, Maths, no. Just, me and numbers just don't get on at all. And... I think with certain teachers, it was like that. I procrastinated a lot, and I didn't do it. I was told, what's the fucking point? You're going to fail at in the juniors' head anyway. So I just didn't bother. Do you know what I mean? And then because I didn't bother, then I, I became that destructive student. Um, I, I had an issue with – people always said I had an issue with authority, right? And I didn't. I had an issue with people abusing authority, and I'd call bullshit on it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I think that that got me into trouble a lot in school. Like a teacher would say something, and I'd be like, "Here, hang on a minute, you can't say that." And then I would get kicked out of class because I'm arguing down with the teacher. I'm disrupting the class. I'm not disrupting. I'm calling you on your bullshit. You can't speak to a child like that or to a student like that. You know what I mean? Um, from a creative standpoint, I did music in school. Um, I was part of a couple of different school productions of plays and musicals and stuff like that, and I loved it. Um, singing, playing the guitar or something. That's uh, very close to me um it was it nurtured the theory of music i didn't really get right because again as i said i wasn't quite academic the, the practical side of it playing the instruments getting up and singing that i absolutely loved um and one teacher from my junior cert had said it to me she's like she recognized that she's like matt take honors music and i'm like there's no way i'm passing she goes, you will because you can sing so if you sing, you'll get the points that will take you over that threshold to actually pass. She goes, if you don't, because you didn't do the practical for past music, ordinary level, you only did the practical for the honours level. And she goes, if you take honours and sing. So I sang two Oasis songs while she's played the piano, and I, and I passed. Um, and the same with art and the same with woodwork. So I was always quite creative in that sense. Um, but you know yourself, you're only ever going to come across one or two of those teachers in your school career that you click with get you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um and that can pull you out of a certain or, or put you in a certain direction when it comes to your your uh your education and stuff. So um yeah.
0: But I'd like to bring awareness to that because without blaming the school or the system or the teachers that mostly are only doing a job and when you question them their ego gets activated and then they utilize the perceived powers that they have by pointing you at the front to the back of I've, I've got all of that shit going on yeah. myself. But what I see what I see is that Einstein quote comes to mind. If you judge a fish's ability to—if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's going to grow up thinking it's stupid. And I think that that very really much des- describes the, the education system. And yes, at this point in our life, it's not about blaming that. It's about okay, that's that's what it was, and maybe they did miss things. But now, what, what am I going to do with myself in order to change my mm-hmm. children's my children's life or perspective on you know noticing those gifts? I think that's the key piece. It's like okay, we have one teacher that said Matt, do you want wanted music because she could see that.
1: I'd love yeah, to see yeah. I'd
0: love to see skill changing to nurturing individuals' gifts. So that we can find yeah. more a- athletes, inventors, you know, musicians, yeah, creatives. Yeah, it's just yeah. not it's
1: just not done. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. And I think this is a we could probably do another podcast on this, to be honest with you, mate. So I've spent the last twelve years working with schools, um, from from an IT perspective. Um so the role that I was doing prior to going out with my own as a coach was IT consultancy for schools. Um ipads google 365 all of that kind of stuff using using all of those things um to i guess enhance teaching and learning change the pedagogy all of that kind of stuff um and and i'm quite passionate about how we learn in schools because like that for me it was if it had been done differently you know i would have had a completely different education i was never going to be a maths teacher or good at maths or geography or anything like that but we need to find things that we are good at and nurture that element of it but as every other industry has changed the education system still looks like the way it did when it first became in during the industrial revolution, right? The only reason we have, um, public education is because of the industrial revolution. We needed to educate people to a certain point so that they could go and work in the factories and they could go and have take on these jobs and and, and do all of this kind of stuff, but it's never actually changed from there. Um, you could have 30 people in a classroom. They all have different ways of learning. Some are visual, some are thinking, some are, do you know what I mean? We all learn differently. So you can't teach 30 people in the exact same way because some of them are going to get it and some of them aren't. So I think an overhaul of the entire education system from a global perspective definitely needs to happen. Absolutely, it does. Um, and I think people are starting to come around to that. The certain teachers are using different different methodologies now and different... Um, different modalities within the classroom to to get the best out of their students, um. But like we even have it here, right? With the with the the junior cert and the leaving cert. What you're doing by um, um my son has just gone through his leaving cert. And the stress levels I saw him go through in sixth year were just insane, because you're you're not you're not educating them to a point where they have a specific knowledge about something, right? What you're trying to do is prepare them to have a great memory on a given day, and that's it. You know, um, we should see more of for lack of a better expression, almost like the Americanized system where you've got a grade point average over the course of a year or two years or whatever. Um, yeah, okay, look, you can have a a a specific test like an SAT or something like that to get you into certain courses, whether it's medicine, law, anything like that. Um, but I think in the most part you could have a, a great knowledge of a specific subject but if your stress and anxiety is getting to you on a given day and you don't perform the way you should have in an, in an exam that's sticking with you for the rest of your life do you know what i mean yeah. um athletes have it athletes have bad days and good days do you know what i mean yeah it,
0: it doesn't um, make any it doesn't make any sense whatsoever and i didn't no. know that about american no that's something that i'm really passionate about as well just because it doesn't make sense in a world where you can ask siri most of these things or, yeah. or or Google or calculators like to use technological advancements than to just look at the child as a unique gift from source or whatever we don't want to get too too spiritual or whatever we come from, I think we all have a blueprint and a purpose
1: absolutely I think yeah. in, the, in yeah.
0: the old system that gets lost, and the reason why I put it in here is because if you're a grown ass man listening to this. Mm-hmm. You were probably lost in that system somewhere. You probably started to earn money early or had a summer job like me. I got a summer job early, I gotta to start to getting 80 quid a day as a young man. So like come yeah, going yeah, go back yeah. to school, it's like I've got a lifestyle to maintain there, you know. <laughs> and and, and kinda of sought money and kinda of got out of the system and and again rebelled most of the way through it. So it's a very interesting topic and as a grown man then just saying okay well maybe if, if this might spark a memory of when you were 14 and you did love instruments because I know for me it wasn't cool to sing I, yeah, I was, in, I was yeah. in music but it wasn't cool I hadn't got the balls to sing or, or, or be creative because I was too cool for skill you know that's, that wasn't my kind of match macho bravado it was with the, the messers more, more so than than the artists or whatever but I just as, a, as an adult you now you can say okay well you know what I might take that yeah, for yeah, me, yeah, for yeah. me yeah. I can dance you know I can dance naturally so I've been expressing that a little bit more here or there. And these little things I think lead to big things because it actually brings that childlike innocence back online. It brings that um, playfulness back online, that enthusiasm, that joy that can get lost in adult life, in the whole commute and mm-hmm. pain. Absolutely, bills, yeah. Having yeah. Fo- having having the even or weekends to be with your family, your missus, your mates, your hobbies, it just, it, it can get too much too quick, I think. So bringing that yeah. playfulness back in is a big piece, I
1: believe. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, like I remember watching a, a TED talk with uh, an educator, a guy called Ken Robinson, um, a few years ago, and he, he talked about exactly this, about kind of flipping the narrative on education and how we educate people, and, and, and he was saying, you know, nurturing natural talents almost. Um, and I'm trying to think of her name now, I I think it's a lady called Gillian Lynn, but I could be wrong in that, so again, don't quote me, but the story is, <laughs> the... the uh, the story will go about it anyway. So the, basically there was there was a kid who wasn't getting on in school, just had absolutely no interest in it, you know, from, from an academic perspective. Um, her mum, you know, I'm going back now into the 40s and 50s, probably a bit earlier. Mum brought her to see a psychologist. Um, after five minutes with the psychologist, she's like, look, there's something wrong with her. She can't do this. She can't do that. And went, said, yeah, okay, no matter. Let's step outside and have a conversation. So they walked outside and, as he walked out, he put a record player on in his office and walked out with the room and told the kid to stay there. Um, went outside and within two minutes the kid was dancing in the in the office. And he said there's absolutely nothing wrong with her, but she doesn't learn the same way people do learn. That's what she does. Look at her now; that's a natural gift, talent that she has in dancing. So I I think it's Celia, in, I think that's the name of her. Um, ended up anyway, becoming a a multi. Tony Award-winning choreographer for Andrew Lloyd Webber and had one of the biggest dance skills in the UK, all because wow. somebody noticed a different way of her learning. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and nurtured a natural talent that was in her. Now, can you imagine the amount of scientists, physicists, th- th- that have been hampered by the education system that we have now yes. almost? By saying no, inventors. Yeah, let's get you into these ready siloed of or silos of of you know. Let's teach you all the exact same way. Let's not nurture anything. But you have to know trigonometry. You have to know algebra. You have to. I ha- I've left school at seventeen. I'm forty years of age now. I add, I subtract, and I multiply and divide. Done. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Unless I'm doing something realistically to do with you know maths or physics or anything like that in 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 a in a chosen profession i'm not going to need to know all of that but as you say let's bring it back to the point you said earlier on um i should know about mental fitness i should know about mental health i should know about how to regulate emotions and how to talk about things i should know how to balance accounts at home i should know how to apply for a mortgage there are a lot of things that we should be teaching kids in school that we're not because we're sat in this old school way of teaching and learning basically
0: and the placebo effect, Matt, as well, because like you, as you said, share that story, I'm, I'm sure it was Thomas Edison who created the, the light bulb, wasn't it? I'm sure it was Edison. He's, he was sent home from school with a note for his mother to read, uh-huh. and his mother read it out to him wrongly. She said that he was too intelligent for school. I'm butchering the letter, but basically she read it out and said, you're basically too intelligent for school. It actually said he was too dumb. But she read it out in a different way and told her that he was too smart for school, and she homeschooled him, and he created the light bulb. So yeah. I've often say like, depending on whether it's a teacher or a peer, you have a ma- you have potentially a massive role in a kid's life.
1: hundred percent.
0: Oh, d- a hundred percent. Vet- there should be a different vetting process because if you're filling yeah. that child up with stuff that's limiting, it's like fuck. <laughs> yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely
0: deep, deeply passionate about that kind of
1: stuff Martin. yeah deeply passionate yeah about. yeah as i said from an education standpoint i think we can we we could do another full episode on that for sure mate just yeah but uh yeah. We, we'll keep it on topic today yeah i think look from 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 the kids around us i know with my kids both my older two they're they're adult they're, they're adult children yeah <laughs> so, um my eldest is doing her masters in psychology. My young lad is in the middle, or he's has just started his degree in psychology. Um, open, honest conversations are um commonplace in my house, right? Because I've seen the effects of it not happening. Do you know what I mean? Um, firsthand, I think open debates. I think challenging conversations need to happen around the dinner table every day of the week. Um, we've uh, our youngest is is seven and. She's now able to, to sort of take part in those conversations that that we're having now. We'll talk about politics. we'll talk about you know the news of the day. we'll talk about what's going on in the world um very openly in the house all the time. We talk about mental health, we talk about the importance of having to talk with it and and these are things that we have to start doing. Do you know what I mean um as I said earlier there is we we, we do live in a society now where um everything is done quickly for us you know right that that instant gratification and it's very easy to hand the kids the iPad or the tablet or sit them in front of the telly. Um, it's very easy for us to to lose two hours of an evening scrolling through TikTok, right? And <laughs> I've done it myself. Um, I think we just need to be more mindful of people around us, of society around us. Um, and like I said, look, I just I keep bringing it back to, it. at some point in your life, stress is going to take hold of you. Things are going to get tough. Um, life is going to get tough. It's how you regulate your emotions during those tough times that are going to either make or break it. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that with the, with the difficult conversations because I, as a generalisation looking at this country, from the people that I've looked and seen in my life, as an Irish culture, I don't think we say the right things to the right people. We kind of mm-hmm. say, we say what we're thinking about somebody to the wrong person. So that difficult conversation, I'd love to see more of that. It's something that I'm actively yeah trying to trying to
1: do more of myself yeah yeah and it's funny like somebody asked i did a podcast for another lad last week or the week before and he asked me he goes what do you, you know what do we do about being better talkers better listeners this that and the other. I, I read a book years ago by dale carnegie um and and in it he said um the the best conversationists are the best listeners Right. People love talking about themselves. Right. um, You go and meet an absolute stranger. If you ask him two or three probing questions about himself and he gets talking about himself, he'll walk away from that going. He's a great lad to talk to. He is because he just sits up and listens to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but active listening. So how do we how do we do that with, you know, the lads in our lives, our friends, our mates, our, our colleagues or whatever? How do we how do we actively listen and show that we're paying attention to them? repeat what they're saying in your head when they start having that conversation look at them keep eye contact and everything that they say repeat what they're saying it'll stop you from drifting off into different tangents it'll stop you from from you know not listening obviously um but it means then that when they when it does come for them to look for advice if they want advice you have actually listened to what they've been saying um and you, and you can come back down with something, and say, okay, well, you said about this, this, and this. Have you tried doing blah, 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 you know? Um, but I think talking is massive, but I think as as boys and as kids and as men, we, we need to learn how to actively listen um, and, and have those conversations. And the only way to do that is by doing what women do. I think we need to take stock in what women do, and they do it very, very well in comparison to us, is that they talk. And I think the more of those conversations we have from an earlier age... The better we'll be equipped to deal with it as we get older. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. I love that. I love that. L- listening to listen instead of waiting to
1: respond, isn't it? Almost, yeah. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you can get distracted during a conversation, you can drift off, you can, you know, do your thing when somebody's talking to you, or whatever. Um, and, and then they'll go quiet and you kind of snap back in. You're like, Oh shit, I have to say something now and I haven't been listening to them. So look, just take the thing is, the thing is, lads, right, it's it's very difficult for men to start talking about something, certainly if it's if it's a mental health perspective, if it's stuff going on at home, if it's stuff going on with the wife or whatever. If if you've got a friend or a mate or a colleague or something who trusts in you and said to you, listen, do you mind if I have a chat with you over something? Can we grab a coffee? I need I need to talk to you about something. The amount of courage it's taken him to say that is massive. Absolutely massive. Um so, you know, show them the respect. Shut up and listen to them, and 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 just have that. Con- just let them have that conversation. Um, offer advice if you can. You know, give your opinions on on, on where you see they might fit in. Uh, be open and honest at the same time to say, listen, I I don't really know what the best course of action for this is. He probably doesn't want you to give advice or fix it for him anyway. Probably mm-hmm. just looking for a way to get it out. Yeah. But let's just try and be better. Yeah, with each other about talking I think is, is the main thing
0: yeah and would you say we'll wrap it up in a second would you say when you when I'm hearing that I'm going to kind of reference and t- saying the wrong thing or the right thing to the wrong people what I mean by that is kind of like as a culture we can kind of go into our boss and moan about our missus and moan to our missus about our boss so where do you there's a very different aspect of talking when you're having the courage to express something that you kind of aren't really telling anybody as opposed to kind yeah. of bit complaining because we're kind of our culture of complainers as well in, in a way.
1: We are, yeah, yeah. And armchair politicians. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's an
0: interesting, it's always interesting
1: and complex, right? It's not. Yeah, I think, I think, look, if, if, if you're at that scenario where you're sitting in the pub with the lads or you're watching the football with friends or you're in work or something like that and you're complaining about the wife or the kids or whatever the case is, that I think is just a venting thing, right? Yeah. Um, Probably doesn't have a hell of a lot of substance to it, you know. You, you, um, you're probably just a little bit pissed off at a time, a point in time in your life where you know things are getting a little bit stressful. Or you come in as a fuck, sake, you know, another stupid argument with herself last night over whatever yeah, yeah, the case yeah, yeah. is. Um, I think they can be good in a way. I think the responses to that are, are what we need to look at. Um, I think we need to be careful about how we respond to those kind of conversations. If it's somebody just having a quick vent over mm-hmm. something, um. I think in, in, the, in the big ones, if somebody really sits down to say, look, I, I could do with a conversation, I could do with a chat, that's when you need to take stock and shut up and listen. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, we we all do it. Look, we all go to the pub, and it's like, you know, when we were younger and stuff, whatever the case was, you'd be sitting in the pub and your mate's phone would go, oh, it's the girlfriend ringing them." Oh, here he's, he's with, <laughs> he's this, he's that. <laughs> look, there's a bit of banter in that, and I get it, lads, and it's, you know, it is, it, fun and harmful to it, or harmless to a certain degree. Um, if he comes in and he's moaning, oh, she's fucking having a go at me last night because I didn't put the dishwasher on or I didn't empty it. That's a vent, right? That's not something that's a massively serious conversation. He's just venting a little bit of frustration and he'll go home and he'll have a chat with her about it and it's fine. Um, I think we need to recognise where the bigger conversations are coming from and we need to know when to shut up and listen um, and, and when to kind of have that playful journey in the conversation with people as well. Yeah, yeah. or responder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steady, yeah absolutely. Steady. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Look, Matt, that was beautiful. I'm gonna get you to like plug yeah, whatever you want to plug. I'll put some links in the in the thing below this and you I know you've got a ninety day programme. So if there's anything that you want to put out to the airwaves, man,
1: please do. Uh yeah, so listen first of all, Johnny, thanks a million for the, the opportunity to come on. It's um it's different being a guest on a show than a
0: <laughs> than a mm-hmm.
1: presenter for sure, um. But I appreciate the opportunity. I really do. Uh, in terms of plugins, I look Matt Keenan, and I'm on Facebook, pretty much the best place to get. Me. I do have things on TikTok and out or TikTok and and Instagram, and so. But Facebook is my preferred choice to be honest um or the anxious is my website i'm a life and relationship coach uh specializing in stress and anxiety for men um so yeah give me a shout uh, hit me up on messenger or drop an email through the website Um, if you need any help on anything or if you just want to have a conversation love it thank you bro all right
0: thank you very much